You're listening to Arrowhead Radio. He doesn't love us because we're good. He loves us because he's good. You can't steer a boat that's not moving. We, need, we as Christians, we need to start opening our mouths. And it says that he who believes on the Son has life, and he that does not believe um, does not have life, and the wrath of God abides on him. Uh, to me, one of the greatest things God did to me was give me peace, give me a hope, give me a promise. And I thought, I have eternal life. I'm, I'm about for heaven, and it's, it's forever. I'm Mark Dana. And I'm Venus Cote. And this is Hope to the Nations. Welcome once again to Hope to the Nations. Uh, this week, Mark and Venus are joined uh, again by Madeline Sark from Lennox Island as they continue their conversation with her about the work that God has done in her life. Um, this week, they discuss with her a new chapter. Uh, last week, we got to hear uh, some of her testimony as she shared how she came to know the Lord, and, and this week we're going to hear how God has worked in her life since then. Okay, now that you've been through uh, Bible school and and you got married, <clears throat> tell us about your family. So, that's my whole nother chapter. <laughs> so, I'm, um, I had met... Um, it's a funny God story too. God incidents, what do they call them? So, so yeah, a little funny backstory. This, uh, going back, my foster parents had this other lady who would come back. She came back to the community. She kind of comes from more of a uh, charismatic background. So they always had like real strong opinions about this lady. So anyway, she came back to my community when, right when I, um, I had moved back to Lenox Island. I just came back probably, this would be in 2003 or two. And I came back to my community and reunited with my mom too, because that was actually a, a whole, whole other story in itself. Um, my mom, um, quit drinking when I was 14. When I did finally, when I left Lenox Island, I had wrote a letter to my mom pretty much saying that I was, um, I pretty much denounced her because I was actually told by my, my foster parents that, um, was kind of made to believe that my mom wasn't good enough mm. and that, and mm. that, because she was drinking, um, she didn't deserve me. And really, I and I pretty much said that to her. Really hurt my mom. Um, and I told her that I wouldn't be her daughter anymore, pretty much. Um, I started calling my foster parents my parents. Um, I, I, I didn't want to be... Um, I almost denounced who I was and my community, which was sad because we had a ministry there every week. <laughs> so, um, 
it created something really crazy in me. And, and then when I went to university and come home, um, this lady was the one who actually came into my life. And this crazy lady, <laughs> her name is Matilda um, Lewis. Well, it's Ram Jatton. She was married at that point. And you wouldn't meet. She loves the Lord with all her heart. This woman. I believe that. Uh, she loves the Lord with all her heart. We don't agree on doctrine and some things, but in the end, she loves the Lord with all her heart. Yeah. That's really important, right? Yeah. Um, so she has a son. <laughs> And his name is Jerry. Now he um, he has his own story and has his parents weren't together growing up. Um, there is abuse in his family. There's a lot of different things in his family growing up, but he also has his own story. Big Jerry. Like why I call him Big Jerry is because I call my my son is uh, Jerry. Little Jerry. Jerry. <laughs> so Big Jerry. <laughs> we met actually at a house party on the res so i was like i said i was at a point where i had denounced almost my whole like i just was trying to find something right i was, I was angry with god i was like no I'm not doing whatever they were saying that i would do i was i really was rebellious we met each other at a house party and we fell in love. His mother was probably the one who influenced us the most. And it was funny that he act, that we actually met each other because he already knew the Lord too. Really? Wow. Before we, yeah. Before mm -hmm. we uh, met. So it was, really was God. I knew it was God. He, <laughs> so with, with that said, my, um, We've had five babies since, one in heaven uh, mm. as well, but we have five here with us. And um, why we had five, I only really wanted two. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, the Lord kept giving me girls <laughs> and dad really wanted a boy. He wanted a hockey player, real bad. <laughs> yeah and so we kept trying and the last time we did get our boy and we were very happy when he was born he was born healthy seemingly healthy fine blood work everything came back absolutely fine perfect baby within within a couple of weeks just my my spirit and my my spirit just knew something wasn't right. I've had four kids before him, and he wasn't eating right, and he like it just wasn't normal. Like even his body tone, he was very weak. Did couldn't eat, couldn't keep down milk. Like none, I was breastfeeding. Even that, he couldn't um, t 
tolerate. He kept throwing it up. And we're like, so by time we kept going to the doctors, I was even at, even then at the doctors was told, like I had a doctor bluntly say to me, what am I doing to my kid? And I'm like, well, why do you think I'm here? I'm like, I want to know what's wrong because he wasn't gaining weight. He wasn't keeping, he wasn't, he wasn't developing like he should have been at mm. that point. And by three months, I knew that this, there was something wrong. I knew there was something wrong. Like, um, so at that point I started, we started seeing doctors more specialists. They couldn't figure it out. We just kept hearing maybe it's reflux in the beginning. Um, so we were trying different formulas, which none worked whatsoever. We were just pumping, trying to pump the, as much calorie into him as possible, trying to, trying to get him to gain weight. So he kind of went into this failure to thrive category. Mm. And I didn't give up. At that point, I started really like being scared, and I didn't know what was wrong with him. We didn't know. None of us doctors, nobody. We did all tests that nobody could tell us. Absolutely nobody. And I was getting so frustrated. And I was, I was really scared for my son because I, you could tell by looking at him, he wasn't well, mm. and. And I was like, no one is helping me. Like, no one could help me. No one could help me. And I was like, how can I do this? And, you know, of course, at that moment, it's like, you know, God sneaks. <laughs> no, he doesn't sneak in, but he, he's there. <laughs> and he's like, hello. <laughs> Good illustration, yeah. Mm -hmm. Madeline, yep. <laughs> like, but I can, you know, like I can find out, you know, the creator can, if anybody can, it's the creator, right? But at that moment, if you thought about it, I was not having it with God. And then again, it was like, you're going to do this to me. I was, <laughs> so it was a catch 22, even though I was in my head, I was like having this argument with God, to be honest. But it was the first time in year in probably five years that I was having those conversations with God, because I, I put it down. Even praying, like, out of habit, like when I'm talking, like things like that. But I wasn't really having intimate um, moments with the Lord. Mm. So I felt like uh, I, there just, there was like, I was, not that I was disconnected, but I was disconnecting, right? I had disconnected. I wasn't hearing from him anymore like I was, I did before and things like that. And I think at that point, that's when my heart was like, I need something bigger than me. I know I need something bigger than the doctors because to me, anyway, I don't like, I don't put doctors or I'm sorry, I'm even going to say this, but even pastors and different people, I don't put these people on pedestals anymore because they mm. have to prove something more than 
because you know what it isn't about them and it's not, it's about god and it's about what what he has yes. us to do we're the tool right yeah mm. anyway that's i can go into another ted talk on something else so <laughs> um, oh, you don't want to get me going um anyway. <laughs> uh so through this time period actually um i was working when I came back to Lennox Island, my daughter, me and me and Jerry end up having our first child in 2004. Her name is Aaliyah. So this is where I'll kind of back up on the story, even from Jerry. So it starts with Aaliyah. Because up until this point, I was really, really angry. I had, didn't want nothing to do with any church. Anybody to do with God. And with the church, nothing. <laughs> Aaliyah came, and when I seen my, my, she was my first daughter, and when I seen how beautiful she was, she actually looked like a little troll, poor girl. <laughs> <laughs> she was long, and she had, like, you, you remember the old trolls where they had the hair that just stuck up like that? Like, yeah. <laughs> you know those trolls? back yeah. in the 80s or the early 90s anyway her hair would stick up like that anyway that's why i say a troll but she, she was still pretty beautiful little girl anyway there was something about having a child that was very spiritual mm -hmm. when you're when a baby can't comes out and you hold your child you see how powerful spirit is mm. and how that you know we're this that even that baby is a shell to a spirit right like god gives us all like our own persons like we're our own person yeah. our mm. souls yeah and the, her little soul looking at me so innocent it was like <laughs> it almost reminded me of I wonder what my mom thought of me my mom didn't have good upbringing and a lot of trauma there's no love like really like healthy love there was no healthy love so I didn't get that from my mom or I didn't really get that from my I got some from my stepdad but he was he showed me through action you know and stuff but my mom you know when there's a connection especially the feet like in the Mi'kmaq culture right we're um, major matriarchal society so it's the women right mm. like so my mom to me was like her she didn't have a voice even as as an adult she never had a real voice and she always felt like she was less than and didn't matter what and even to this day now even bef i have to remind her every once in a while mom like mom you're important yeah you know because our people were made to feel like they weren't yeah so with Aaliyah coming there is another thing that kind of came up in me and it was about protecting my child right and 
I thought about the abuse that happened to me while I was in the foster care in my home, in the foster care home. And that started really bothering me and started playing on me because I, at up to that point, started, I had uh, mentally made it like it didn't happen. I pretended like that w didn't actually happen, like um, to try to block it. I think just mentally I wanted to forget. Yeah. But when Aaliyah came, it all came back. Okay. And it was very, very difficult to deal with. Because, and then trying to be a mom, trying to figure out how do I be a mom when no one, I shouldn't say no one. I will say my foster mother, she taught me what it was like or, or see a role model like a mother showing like how to be a mom, like even doing right to doing laundry. Like I, I know that sounds silly, but like even doing laundry, like watching her do laundry and mind you, her lifestyle always was about servanthood. So, you know, she didn't have time to really be about herself. And, you know, I know in that when you, when you go into ministry, that is really what it is, eh? You're going into servanthood and, you know, that's how it is. But yeah. I will have to say if there was anything that I really did and I do appreciate is her, that God had put her in my life through my teenage years. Because even then I had gotten sick. I think it had to do with the abuse because mentally I was really have, didn't know how to deal with what was happening to me. And I got really, really ill through my teenage years. Anyway, I'll kind of, I want to kind of get out of that. But my, my foster mother, I would have to say she, if it wasn't for her modeling a good, uh, a mothering role, even mm -hmm. when I was sick, when I was sick, she was there for me. And I mm -hmm. think if it wasn't for her, I wouldn't have seen what that was, what it would be like. So then as I became a mother, because I didn't even know certain things, purposely, I, it's, it's so sad to say this, but I actually, like, it's like trying to teach myself how to be a mom. Like, mm -hmm. be a healthy one. Because there, I had no, like, barely anything to model to me what was a healthy home. Loving god at the center of it we like in the past never like that is just so but i wanted that for my family mm -hmm. and so with that coming with all of those memories coming through i decided to bring it forward to the police about what had happened to me in my teenage years mm. i had brought it forward and I had also, um, it was a very difficult time because the, the foster parents, they pretty much, as soon as I had brought it to the police, somehow they knew about it and they left. Like, I'm not even joking, like the very next day, they left the country, left their house, left everything, but they had other people bring them their stuff. So in the moment of that, I mean, I was, there was, they had, 
ripped my reputation to shreds. Even though I know I was standing up and what I was saying was right and true and what had happened. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But him running, that to me, I said, that's guilt. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. so God, God is the ultimate judge. So in the end, no matter yeah. what, God yes. is the judge. And he also is forgiving. So I... I'm on my way to forgiveness <laughs> and I, it. it's, you know, mm -hmm. I think healing from what has happened to me makes yep. me feel better about it and helps me heal. And, you know, um, but with that said, my other kids, then, um, my other daughter, Autumn came in 2008. Then I had, a um Annabella and then Adrena and then I had baby Jerry so and all my kids are very very different children and I love it I I like I love um seeing it's, well, I it's know, like right? I, know for one thing. I know for one thing you're a very good mother I see it on Facebook all the time Thank you. I try. I, it's funny that I, I say that I'm trying. I know, I know that sounds weird, but it's like when you've never had the real modeling to teach you things like that, it's like I'm trying to, but really it's, and that's where my whole point even of all of this is that like even in all of what I went through, I really didn't have earthly parents who could guide me or be there for me but really if i was in looking at my life i really did have a parent there all along mm. yes and i also believe that because god is love and he loved us in spite of all that we've been through and gone through that he revealed his love to us through his son and for myself i grew yes. up like you with no mother uh grandmother and they were drunk all the time but i poured my heart and soul into the kids at camp i knew in my within myself that i had enough love to love these kids and that's what i did i poured my love into the kids at camp yeah and we've seen Madeline. it yes yes I was wondering if you could it. just share how God has brought you to the point where you feel that you are important now that you. That so I guess that's where it comes to baby Jerry. So Jerry being sick, um, with Jerry being my last boy, him being sick, it's a genetic disorder that's, um, he's one of 12 in the whole world. Wow. This is a very rare genetic disorder. We originally mm -hmm. there was only four. Now there's twelve. Anyway. So now I know like um however they are saying that it could be like the other uh SID deaths might be have to do with this type of um uh disease. Um it's a flaw in his metabolic system. So so all of us need protein in order to survive 
Now in protein, you have amino acids. Now there's three amino acids and one of them is called valine. This is the part of the amino acid that Jerry's body doesn't break down. Okay. So what happens if this doesn't break down, it accumulates into like, a, it's called a metabolic, um, it's toxic. It's, uh, and it becomes poison to his body. Mm. So remember going back to my story about where we were pumping him with a bunch of calorie and food and a lot of protein. Oh, yeah. We did the mm. opposite of what we should have been doing. And really then damaged him very quickly because no one knew though. We didn't know. Yeah. The doctors no. didn't know. Like even to this day, really I'm the expert on my kid now. Like now I know that. But then like no one knew nothing of this. And uh, so with that said, we've went through so much he went through a really bad acidotic um, episode and i nearly lost him and it was at that moment that god changed my life wow it mm. it was like he never left me but i had i was like feeling like it's I remember at time, you know, when you just felt desperate and you're like, you're pleading. I was pleading for my son's life. And then I was like, I had this overwhelming sense of saying that I was so sorry. It's like, you know, you being that rebellious kid for so long and you're like, you know, the now as a parent, you know what that's like when your kid is like, oh, you just want them to listen. But you gotta, you can't force it, right? Like, and that's where God's grace is. Like, even understanding what grace means, that changed my life. I think there was moments Jerry's mother has taught me about what God's love was like. God had brought that woman in my life. She showed to me and to even this community, because she became chief, the last chief. God revealed to me even like that she was going to be there. Like it's, but we were, we are, there was only a few of us. And even still right now, there's only a few, but we believe that there's, it's something's happening even right now. So when Jerry, baby Jerry had um, almost passed away, it was actually a moment that happened. I was sitting, there was this uh, one uh, chair. I actually, for six months straight, we just sat in one chair and I held my son every day from the time he woke up till he went to bed every night. And I just held him and I prayed over him. We sang, we had music, we did everything. Like, I did everything from that chair. And there was this one night, and he wasn't feeling well, and I could tell. And, and I was like, I almost felt like this was the time. And I was like, my, but it, at the same time, I didn't. And there was something in me, I was just like, no. I, 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 
not that I didn't want to like, you know, God, I wanted God's will to be done, but I didn't feel like it was his time. And so I felt like we had, I had angels in front of me because hmm. it was, I was sitting there holding him and something, I don't know what happened, but I could tell that something happened in the realm, in the spirit realm. And in front of me, all I could see, I didn't see angels. I didn't see what, like, anything marvelous, but I could, it was almost like smoke. But to me, like, I guess, you know, sometimes the creator can reveal things to you so you could see it or connect in your, the way he wants to connect to you. And I felt like it was, it was angels there. Two, mm -hmm. two of them in front, sitting and standing in front of me. And I, all I did was, I said, no, please, God, no. I ask you, please. And I, and that, I think it was at, at that moment when I was like, I'll do anything. Not that I was like, I don't, I don't agree with like making any like pleading with God or anything like that. But I just was like, it was just in my soul. I felt like I knew I had to change something. Mm. Yeah. In that wow. moment. And in after that the alarm started going off. Like his like it was like mayhem happened. And I almost lost him that time. Wow. But at the same time, I like there was I couldn't get over what just happened in my room, in the room. Cause I knew that something like spiritual happened to me in that, in that room. But I knew that he was going to be okay. Mm. After that moment, oh, sorry. <laughs> After that moment, <laughs> I, get, oh, I, I knew without a doubt, like, and there, and that disconnect that I had before was open. Wow. And going forward from that time on, God has made things so real to me. An example would be like, say, there's some things, you know, you just can't make happen in, in human form, in flesh form. You can't just make things happen. Certain things, you know, there's limits to us. Mm -hmm. So since I sit in council, I got in in council a couple of years ago now, I guess now. And even when I sit there and there's things that are like, there's no way that this is going to happen. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, you wait, what? <laughs> what are we saying? <laughs> <laughs> even in council, I tell them, you, you know, don't, we are not going to put limits on God here. Wow. In this okay. council. We're not putting limits on God. That there's things that our people need. The government might it might not give it to us. We know that. We jump through hoops over and over again. People say we have all this stuff, but where is it? I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> I'm like we don't have to. Who's our government? Mm. Jesus. Yes. Right. Jesus. Yeah. So 
Would you maybe just sum it up? I think. No, just I'm sum gonna, up gonna get how going. you feel about. <laughs> sum it up about how you feel going. about Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> He's got to get his kids. He's my counselor. He's my. <laughs> He's my counselor. Amen. That's. I feel like absolutely. that's probably yeah. That's actually where I feel like at this point in my life, I mean, there is a lot, but point in my point in the, at this point in my life, even though all those challenges have happened in my life, look, when you look back, I could always see God's hand mm. right through it mm, everywhere. Yeah. Like, or like at the time you can't see it. But then when you get to, especially when you start getting older, right? We get to re be reflectful and look. <laughs> you can kind of see where the hand of God was. And like, how would that even happen, right? Like, oh, yeah. it's just funny. Even how would I meet Jerry at a party when I was already being rebellious and he was being rebellious, but two believers found each other? Mm -hmm. Even in that, that mm -hmm. God wanted me to have baby Jerry. You know, he was five kids from 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 these two people meeting, and I have this young boy, and this boy is even creating change within the healthcare system. Mm. Wow. Like the, I've been able Amazing. to advocate even for health issues for First Nation kids because I get to see the system. Systemic racism is real. I get to help with those things. I get to help with advocation for Aboriginal women, Indigenous women who have been abused, who have been sexually abused in their lifetime. Even by the church, like, there's a lot of hurts that happen. And I'm not just saying Catholic church, the church. Yep. But he you said, know? I would never leave nor forsake you. Even he's faithful. He's faithful and just. Amen. Yes. 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 Yeah. Yeah. I'm like yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I even got even my even my nose is running. I'm so like. <laughs> <laughs> well, Madeline, I love you. Thank you. I love you too. It was really getting. It was nice uh, getting to listen to you and meet you. And well, Lord bless you, Madeline. Bless you. Thanks. Bless you guys. So Thank you. I appreciate. Bolalio. Thank you. This has been a broadcast of Arrowhead Radio, a ministry of Arrowhead Native Bible Center. Visit our website at arrowheadnbc.com for more information. Look for a new episode next week wherever you find your favorite podcasts.